Okay, so I hope everybody's doing well. Um, I know it's been, well, I'm not really sure how long it's been since um, I've done a podcast. Um, so I thought lots of M's going on there. But I thought it was a good time to, you know, do a bit of an update. I've just been training pretty hard, if I'm honest. Um, and then that's got, wow, I'm back to an M. That's kind of, you can tell that I definitely do not plan these, but then I can get into a good conversation. But basically, I, I wanted to touch today on, I've been training a bit more, and then that's why that sentence just came about, where I said, I've been training hard. But actually, I kind of want to explore that concept of, you know, hard training. Like, what what does kind of like hard training mean? And is it kind of like useful? So there's numerous times that I've probably seen a connection or or thought there was a connection between, you know, super, super hard work um, and then, you know, good fitness. And I actually think, I don't think, I know that I heard on a podcast that said something along the lines of, and, and this is not me condoning this or or saying it's something that you should do, but it was along the lines of, if you don't know how to read, you know, data. And so if you don't know your zones and and you don't know your heart rate zones and and you don't know threshold paces and things like this, it's kind of like training hard, you'll actually probably get better results. And so, like I said, I'm not suggesting that's what you do, but there's probably an element of truth to that. There's a lot of people will have never worried about zones, never worried about heart rate, never worried about lactate, never worried about threshold, and they will have achieved very good results and very good success via training hard. So by hard definition, I just mean pushing, right? So pushing at a intensity that is not easy. That's kind of that simple. But hard can be broader where it can, you know, sort of say like someone could tell you that they're running 100 mile a week and you'd go, well, such and such is training hard. Now, they haven't actually told you what is the quantity of each intensity within that, you know, 100 miles a week. But you still think of 100 miles a week, which is that that is volume you still think of 100 miles a week or the time that it would take to run 100 miles a week volume you still think of that as hard and and rightly so because that's a lot of time to dedicate that's you know that's a lot of pounding on the body which you know we could go ahead and say that you know that's quite hard in itself and and i think if you look at it and you think about it 100 mile a week that's pretty hard so where I'm going with that is that there's different contributions to what does it mean to train hard, okay? It's not just volume, it's not just intensity, it's not just time, um, it's not just frequency as in I'm training three times a day. You could say you're training three times a day, but if that's a one mile run at seven o'clock in the morning, a one mile run on your lunch break, and then a one mile run after work, well, is that harder than someone doing, you know, five in one go at lunchtime? So hard is a very interesting concept. My training has got better and better and smarter and smarter and a lot more tracking of data, which then has improved 
the intensity being more relevant to exactly what we wanted to achieve that day. And so actually from the intensity part of this hard equation, that has actually gone down. So I'm doing much less intensity, much less intense training, and that has created better results for me. So the the hard part for me is just applying myself really well day to day. And and a lot of that is like self-discipline around training. A lot of that is trying to be better with, you know, rest and recovery. I, I built an ice bath out the back garden, which was very funny. It was a trip to, I actually have a story to tell you in a minute, but it was a trip to B&Q to buy outdoor storage. I seen this box called a Darwin box, if anybody wants to Google it. And I thought I could turn that into an ice bath. And since I, since then, I've been insulating it. Oh, it's turned into the dream. But I do really like cold exposure. My feet are currently in an ice bucket right now because I have to be honest, ever since the 5K, my my feet have become a real problem. Um, I guess it's how tight together your, your feet and shoes are when you're racing that 5K. Um, and so being really close together, it kind of cramped my feet up, I guess you could say. And then because they were all cramped up, they just haven't been moving as well when I'm running. So by cramped up, I mean, when you land, you land on the back of your foot, like your heel, but on the kind of right side, most people. And then you kind of do this like roll in. And as you roll in, you kind of are, you're supposed to put all your pressure then through the big toe and then like spring off. What what happened to my feet is because they were so cramped together in spikes and because I was doing more work on the track, it's, it's, they got really stiff. And so from the baby toe to the big toe there wasn't really much movement and and right along the like almost middle of your foot like the big toe second toe in you should almost be able to like move it a little bit not like I mean it's not supposed to be like wonky but there should just be some movement between the metatarsals and mine were just super stiff so because they were super stiff I I kind of okay so I started to get pain below like I think it was like my third toe across middle toe and I think it's called metatarsalogia or something I don't know something along those lines and I was kind of like what the fuck is going on why is this happening right and so then I sort of noticed that the way I was walking I wasn't putting pressure through the big toe and it's mainly because of like this this stiffness and this tightness was actually preventing that roll effect over to the big toe. And so all my pressure was kind of going through that like third metatarsal, I guess you could say. Um, and and yeah, it was just a, it was just a pain in the ass. So uh, my feet are in an ice bucket, but that is kind of getting away from topic. I did go to B&Q and buy this ice bath. I love cold exposure. I think it's really good for discipline, but I also just think it's really good for recovery. And um, so long as it's done seven or eight hours after training and not immediately after training because immediately after training it can actually inhibit some kind of like adaptations that you don't want to do and so getting back to I've been putting in a lot of time outside of training just into the little things like making sure I'm eating enough I also increase my training hours the I think the last few weeks have been like 12 to 14 hours a week like maybe more like 13 14 for for all three weeks which Given that I was doing like nine, that's that's actually quite a lot more. I think a lot of runners do quite little because 
you know, running just has quite a high impact, which creates this high injury risk situation. But with being able to do more biking and really easy biking, like super, super low heart rate and keeping that like power really low so that I'm not bringing um, fatigue into the, the running stuff. I think that's helped maybe fitness that silly word go up a bit <laughs> um but it's also just helped me build training hours per week without increasing injury risk and i say that with a bloody foot in an ice bucket because i've got a sore toe um and and i added the bike in before i thought i had a sore toe it, it was always a strategy to increase training hours and that's where the hard bit comes from when i say i've been training hard that's what i mean so Think about that definition. I was overtraining intensity-wise. We've talked about five sessions in seven days, things like this, just getting greedy. I was definitely overtraining from the intensity perspective, but not necessarily overtraining volume. In fact, massively undershooting volume, only doing like like I said, like eight, nine hours a week. So that being said, let me tell you my fun story. I, I've had my sister staying with me at my house in Belfast and I was texting the physiologist kind of joking like I think for like a week or two I'm gonna like get the experience like the real world with like dog and kids and and anyway so the kid the other night my sister's son Archie was eating a frub. I guess you can probably see where this was going. He dropped a bit of frub yogurt on the sofa. Fine, no big deal. And I, I gave him a bit of kitchen roll as if like, you know, you can wipe that up. I probably should have wiped it up, but I, I thought he could do it. So I gave him kitchen roll to wipe it up and I knew he'd probably spill it again. So, but then it kind of became a game where it was like, whoops, you know, I dropped a bit more fruit, but I'll just wipe that up. And if you drop anything else except for dairy, it's not really a big deal. Like it just wipes up, no problem, no smell, no aftermath. Anyway, the kids just left. My sister just left. I sat down. And if you've watched any of my YouTube stuff, you'll know that I'm partial to a smoothie, quite a big smoothie, um, milk, fruit, porridge, oats, and peanut butter, all sorts in there. Anyway, so I sit down. I have prepped a little ice bucket for under my feet. I set the smoothie down on the sofa, massive big thing, no lid on it. You can see where this is going. And I start massaging my foot, massaging my foot, no problem. Foot massage is going really well. I turn to my right, the entire big thing of smoothie all over the couch. And I thought that was quite ironic that I had been joking with Ricky. And I was upset about two days ago, not upset, but curious if a smell would come from the frub. Tiny, tiny bit of yogurt dripped on the you know sofa, one wipe gone. And then I spilled the entire smoothie all over the sofa. So... I'm now sitting on the sofa with one of the cushions is gone because it has been absolutely demoralized by smoothie. But good thing the cushion cover can come off and go in the wash. But isn't that quite ironic? I joked about the kids going to make a big mess and the kids have gone and 100% that was me. I'll probably tell my sister it was Archie and yeah, that'll be good fun. But I'm joking, I won't. But I have not been doing um, as much um, YouTube podcast. I, I, this was always going to be natural as the, basically just as the training got a bit harder. Like I, it's not like a, I won't be doing this anymore. This is not what I plan to do. I, I think if you know me by now, I'll always share and, and try to help people and, and try to just push the limits of the knowledge that you know other runners out there who want to be better can can get um i think that's really important to like give give back if you can 
But lately, I think it's just been more of a, hey, let's just focus on the training. And and then sometimes I record bits and pieces. And, and honestly, like I'm, it's kind of like if, if you're going to do a shit job, like just don't do it. And so sometimes I'll have recorded bits or I'm trying to like add little bits. And I kind of just think, Stephen, that's kind of just like shit. So like, like either do it properly or like don't don't do it at all. And and so I'm trying not to do it just because it's like this routine thing and you should. And that's more YouTube. That's not podcast. Um, podcast can just be shit and I can just rattle on. Um, but no, it's not. I hope it's not. Um, but in terms of like training, it's going really good. Like I, I, I love when you repeat things and, and it has been a long time since I've done this, but you know, a, a standard session, like today I did eight times a mile. Um, oh, I did, a, I actually did a long run at the weekend. If anyone wants to go to Strava and have a look and it was really, really nice to see after a pretty good progressive long run, nothing crazy with the speeds, but solid. And, and, you know, the lactate coming in at like 1.2, it's not been there before. Um, I, I, I normally finish something like that and be like maybe 2.5, 2.6 or, or, you know, even last year, like after the Commonwealth games and before Berlin, I'd finish big long runs like that. Now they were harder because they were maybe 30 K all at sort of 515 to 520, but like the lactate would have been like much, much higher and maybe like 2.8, things like that. Um, I also did a, you know, a session today where we did eight by a mile. I drove down to Dublin to meet um, Dara, who, you know, I trained really well with in St. Moritz, Dara McElhenney. So, you know, absolutely superb athlete, you know, one of the best athletes in the country right now. And it kind of just made sense for us to do a little bit more together because um, we matched up really well in St. Moritz. So, you know, some things require effort. And if you want company that you have to make the effort to, you know, get that company, you can't just do everything by yourself. So today's session, just eight times a mile. Dara did slightly different, like I think like five and then some quicker stuff because he's still racing track. But what was really cool to see was the the paces being a little bit quicker not much like I think I averaged 450 a couple of months ago or something like that on a track in St Mary's there was a group of about seven of us um but what was really interesting was I think when I finished that day and that was like probably like April I think like March April and I know this is a lot further down the line but back then I think my lactate was like five maybe even like six after number seven I think it was and today it was 2.6. So the reason to tell you that, it's not a humble brag on my behalf, because first of all, it's training and it doesn't mean anything. It's just training. It's to provoke a stimulus that makes you better prepared for your next race. It's it's kind of that simple. But I'm telling you that because if you have something that you can lean on in terms of a comparison, it shows you that what you're doing is working. And that's what's super important about that. So it's super important to train in a way that every you know month or two, you can come back to a kind of standard staple session that you do. And this is, doesn't require heart rate, doesn't require lactate, doesn't require anything except for you to know the loop and maybe just go run to time at a similar sort of effort and just see where you come in, right? Just how long does it take you? How did it go? How did you feel? Are you quicker? Are you not? Was it harder? Why? Is what you're doing working? And then you start to break down if it's working, well, what helped you get to this, this better place? And then if it isn't working, well, well, why not? Well, maybe some of the stuff I'm doing isn't working. And that's when you need to rip up the playbook a little bit. Um, I, I think we're all 
guilty of overtraining, if I'm honest. Um, I, I, I really, I really do. I think from an intensity perspective, we're always too willing to push. We're always too willing to go out there and I'm going to get better today. I'm going to get better today. And it's like, well, or you could just nail this recovery run super slow, super easy, walk little bits if you need to. And you could do it that way so that when you get home, you can be like, did you nail that recovery run? Yeah, I nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Slow as I could go. Grand. Now we get to move on to day day two, you know, and, and day two, if you need another recovery day, because the day before was, you know, pretty tough or, or one of those hard long runs or, or a more high intensity session, well, then you, you take another easy day. You don't need to stick to these rigid I must do a session Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. I must, I, oh, it's Friday. I have to do this. Oh, it's Sunday. I have to do a long run. Like no offense, but like, do you fuck? And so the, the sooner you get that into your head, that there's no requirement, only that you are best recovered to complete this next session, that that's what will move you forward. If it is the right session that you were supposed to do, that would help you move forward. And it's at the intensity that it was supposed to be at. So that's the the bottom line. I, I think we're rushing. I, I think it's kind of like, oh my God, I'm still a bit tired today, but I'll just go get this done. And you can just get it done. There's no doubt about it. You, you absolutely can, but you don't get as much of the benefit. So it's not the same. The, the equation does not add up. It's not like, yes, I got it done. That's awesome. I'm going to gain a hundred percent of that hard work. It's probably like I was tired going into it. I did get it done. But because I was tired going into it, I'm probably only going to absorb like 30, 40% versus like I pushed it a day, I waited a day, I took another really easy day, slept really good, ate really good, got on top of my hydration, came back the next day, did it, still did it at the right intensity, didn't go too fast, got it done right, absorbed 100% of that, came back a month later and I was five to 10 seconds per mile quicker. Imagine that. That's what happens when you start doing this right. Everybody that's not doing this right, they're going to be stuck in that pattern of, I don't get it. I'm working so hard and a month down the line, I'm fucking worse. I've been there. I fucking lived there. (laughs) That was the story of my career. He's the guy doing sessions twice a day, every second day, and, and shit goes out and underperforms, flops. The big dreams and the big idea of these like, I'm going to run really well is based on that application. It's based on like, I deserve it. I've worked super hard. But that word hard is going to trip a lot of people up because it's like, well, I get it. Like you worked really hard, but was it smart? Was it, was it, was it what was needed? Was it what was necessary? Is that what was supposed to be done to move you forward? A lot of people don't think like that. But I have 1% battery on the iPad, so I'm going to wrap this up. I, I, I realized it was probably just starting to get good and exciting. And, um, but look, things are really good. Start thinking about what I'm saying. Start managing your training a bit better. You know, try to hit these right intensities, you know, push sessions if you need to, to get that extra bit of recovery. On that topic of hard, be careful with that. Start to look at what is it you're doing? What part of the training is hard? Is it too hard? And, and you might only train one hour a week, but if you do it too hard and you just sprint up a hill that entire hour, that's overtraining. It's overtraining because it's likely the benefit that you wanted from that day wasn't, I'm going to run up a hill for as hard as I can for one hour. And so that's the interesting part that you can be overtraining, but it's not, like I said, frequency or volume. It might just be intensity. So 
slow it all down walk if you have to the more i'm learning about how important it is to develop this like fat burning and fat oxidation and so 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 important but some people are going to have to walk before they run or you're going to have to run for like three minutes walk for a minute run for three minutes walk for a minute you're going to think i'm an idiot i feel like an idiot everybody else is just running and then you will fucking destroy them in a race i promise you trust me you will destroy them see if you start getting that fat burning process working and working well you will annihilate people in races it is so important start to look that up look up i think it's a Ineo San Milan, Ineo San Milan, fat oxidation, and and how poor most people that haven't developed it, how poor their fat oxidation might be. You were talking about like in cycling, it was people at like one watts per kilo, and they were still above like a good fat oxidation. So with runners, it might be that there needs to be this period of walk, stroke, run, walk, stroke, run, just to guarantee that you're working that fat oxidation. You might have to walk for 20 or 30 minutes, then break into a really slow run and then start to kind of pick it up. And and you'll just notice that the adaptations will happen. And if you can develop that fat burning stuff, that's where you'll live in the marathon. It's all fat burning for a lot of people that are running over literally over two hours. (laughs) Once you're past two hours, you're into fat burning, a need for fat burning. So once you go three, four, you need to work on fat burning. So really think about that. And it's not fat burning as in just losing weight. It's teaching your body to utilize fat as fuel because glycogen runs out after like maybe like one hour 40, one hour 45. So start to bloody do that. Listen to me. I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for listening. I did well, still 1%. I had 3% when I started. And so it's managed 22 minutes on 3%. So well done, iPad, but appreciate you listening. Take care. Bye-bye now.